Welcome everyone, I'm Anu. I'm Sumit. And, and we, we are, are the Cyber, Cyber Siblings. Hey everyone, today's episode is all about data breaches in software and technology industry. So Sumit, uh, it's over to you. I am actually interested, why this industry? Yes, thank you. Um, I'm going to say two words, everything digital. No, you can't. That's it. <laughs> you can't skip it two, two, two words. No, but look, in a nutshell, um, everything is moving towards digital. Everything that is underpinned or everything that underpins a digital transition or transformation, it's underpinned by technology. And that could be software, it could be hardware. It's, it's pretty much the focus or the future of everything we do. So why this industry? I guess anything captured in software and technology is going to kind of underpin or propagate or affect every single other industry. That's why I think tech. Okay, fair enough. And so similar to other episodes, let's just start by understanding what does this industry actually mean? Like just give us a bit of a breakdown to it. Yeah, look in this one, um, I would actually go against trying to split it up too many. I know we can try and put it into four to five buckets um, for, for actually capturing what the end-to-end function looks like. But when it comes to software and technology, I like to actually uh, package it up or let's bundle it. And let's just look at software and technology providers. Either you're using the tech and you're building it in-house or you're providing it for others. That's it. Okay. So quite simple. When, yeah, so if it's anything, software, technology, hardware, whatever it may be, if you're thinking about cloud-based solutions, you're thinking about infrastructure, hardware, software, anything and anyone that's attached to that space, whether it be a consumer or a provider, is a software and technology. Nice and simple. Underpins everyone, hence the reason why I say everything digital. <laughs> no, and it is true. If you look at every country, every industry, you look at one of the major global trends coming out of the World Economic Forum reports, they talk about digital nations. They talk about a move towards digital. Yeah. yeah. So it absolutely makes sense. Well, then if we are all moving towards digital and we're talking about the software and technology providers that are enabling that, hmm. I'm interested to see what rating scale you come up with here, but <laughs> how much of a target is this industry then? Well, I think that's inherent in what we just mentioned earlier, if it underpins everything in every other industry, well, then if software and technology is hit, then everyone is hit. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. And you're putting, you're putting a mindset on as a cyber criminal. You go, where would you hit? Uh, yeah. Where would you go? If that yeah. makes sense? Yeah. And it's not just where it would hit. I think I always come down to what does your critical business function, whatever you do, what's it underpinned by? If you say, oh, look, I have this competitive advantage. I've got this, you know, very streamlined application process portal where someone, customer can come in and just put in these details and boom, they're, you know, they've got a loan. They've got this insurance um, contract. They can buy uh, a certain product from an e-commerce store. Well, that is a web application. It's some sort of software or you've got some sort of proprietary software behind or some trading algorithms in place for your trading platform. Um, it could be your medical records. So in all the industries we've talked about so far, anything and everything is always underpinned by it. So if we break this down, notice that there is interconnectivity. And that's one of the things that I want to say is 
Thematically, if you think about it, tech and software provides interconnectivity. So the reason why it's always such a target, and if you look at all the, um, I guess, the ones that have been targeted in the past, thematically, if you group them down to whom are they connecting? So your utilities, energy, infrastructure, there's interconnectivity. And it's all critical infrastructure. Yes. Critical for any country exactly, or nation. Exactly, exactly. And it could just be e-commerce as well. There's interconnectivity, there's buyers, sellers, um, suppliers, uh, anyone else in the supply chain. So anything that comes under interconnectivity. The other thing is, um, and people might still be, I guess, trembling with the whole solar winds um, a debacle that happened. Think about anyone that, I, this is what I like to um, classify it as. I like to, whenever someone asks me, I try and explain this as anyone that's a downstream provider. So when you look at your um, cyber upstream and downstream governance, anyone that's a downstream provider, so if SolarWinds was hit, anyone that was then using that solution, whether they were white labeling it or whether they were embedding some part of it for their bigger infrastructure projects or in any capacity that they were using it as, if they got hit, everyone downstream that was using a derivative of that product also got hit because the vulnerability actually propagated through. Mm. So if that gives you a downstream provider, then at the end of the day, you can also have that provider managing everything for you. And this is where I come down to into outsourcing. So an outsourced entity or anyone that's managing a function for you. So think about anyone that where you've had a data breach in maybe investment banks and they've actually outsourced their finance function. They've outsourced maybe some risk function um, or the accounts for a lot of wealth management funds is actually done by um, centralized outsourced um, business process um, outsourcing. So they will do all the accounts for all the unit funds. So if that one entity is hacked or there's a data breach on that, then any organization that they're actually providing services for, well, that's also vulnerable because they're all being housed in that environment if they're not segregated. And the last one is obviously any infrastructural solution provider. So now I'm going down into your cloud example. So if someone's an IaaS, um, they're providing infrastructure as a service or a SaaS offering, then they're also going to be a target. They're going to be, obviously, there's going to be some sort of multi-tenancy maybe at play. Yeah. Um, so I guess those four thematically will pretty much cover most of your data breach cases when you're looking at software and tech. No, really good insight and that actually helps understand. I think the key word I take away is they're the enablers. They're inherently going to enable exactly. the whole nation exactly. and every industry exactly. to be um, going digital, if you like. So we have seen a number of data breaches in this industry. Yeah. Talk us through some of those and what are the key things that, I guess, how do they occur really? Like, can you give us some themes? Because that way we can actually, one, if we're receiving that service from these service and technology providers, we can be asking the right questions. Yes. But also, how can we learn for our own organization? There will be some learnings and similarities. So I think it's yeah. good to just understand those. If you could share that with us. Yeah, no, definitely. I think there is, and it applies to, I guess, all the industries per se, what I want to do differently with this one is when you are talking about software and technology, everything comes down into vulnerabilities. 
When you're providing a software solution, when you've got some sort of um, application, or if you're providing some technology offering, inherently, it is always vulnerable. So that's why they say, okay, well, what about your um, hardening or patching? How are you actually making sure that you're protecting it? You're covering all the loopholes. But the nature of, you know, a technology or a software is, um, you know, you can hack it or you can break it. True. And not intentionally or maliciously, but sometimes even through human error, you can just sort of break things. Technology, if you view it just like you would view a process, um, then I guess... And maybe this is also something for the audience as well. Whatever industry you're in, when you think of technology, just like you would have think of a process, you'll understand that processes can also be inherently vulnerable. They can be broken. People can break a process, right? They might not follow procedure. Um, they might incorrectly do something and bypass the control. It's exactly the same with technology and software. It's just more in a digital nature. So when you look at it that way, everything always comes down to vulnerabilities. So that could be vulnerabilities in the solution, um, like we talked about solar winds. Um, so anything that is there, you know, that will propagate downwards. Um, vulnerabilities in the actual web application. Um, so think about the hack on Etsy or any other e-commerce pl platforms that might be, um, in, you know, not actually taking certain steps to harden um, certain areas and making sure that you know you're wanting to reduce that um, attack surface area. And when it comes to software, you can't really complete any conversation without talking about the sharing of code. It's you know natural you don't actually go and build things from scratch anymore. So if there's open source code available, you will most likely use that and you will or you'll take on a different project that might actually be out there and you might end up forking it. So forking pretty much you're taking a, a different pathway and you're maybe modifying that and you're creating a different application or a different use case for it. Now, if there's a vulnerability in that open source code or if there's a vulnerability in some other code that you reused, any derivative product you create of that is also going to have that vulnerability, right? It's going to be a very, very easy to bring that product to market because you reuse code rather than having to start from scratch, which is great and the industry needs it. But the security angle, you actually, well, I like to kind of use a biology example, um, uh, biomagnification. So, you know, it actually ends up going downstream into as in when each predator eats the previous um, animal or whatever it may be, you know, that um, uh, that concentration can actually propagate and it'll actually magnify. Same thing, any derivative product will actually also carry over those vulnerabilities because it'll propagate downwards. So that's uh, that's really always vulnerabilities. That's, that's what I think I come down to. No, that makes sense because the technology and software providers, it's a technology vulnerabilities it's inherent like that's what needs to be yeah. managed so if you take that pain through i know you've said vulnerabilities but i'm i'm thinking there must be some other lessons learned not just around vulnerability but broader when you look at this industry so what are some lessons that people listening can take back to their organization really but also again hold software and technology providers accountable yeah look for me um i would bucket it probably into top three or top four i would say and one of them is the human element i think we always cover that down and like i mentioned before 
just like a process can be broken, so can technology and software. And when you have that control breakdown, that is where you really end up having that exposure. So when we talk about a process or a technology or a software being inherently vulnerable, that's an inherent risk. And for those risk and governance and audit professionals, they would understand, okay, well, to reduce that inherent risk and you know bring it down to an acceptable level, that residual risk, you'd put controls in place. But understanding things are inherently vulnerable and there is a human element to the way we use technology and software, well, that is underpinning it. And so learning that lesson we can learn is the way humans actually interact with that technology or they bypass certain security policies because it's easier to do, well, that's that mindset. That is that psychological element of it's just human nature to go, oh, this is easier to do this way, so what I'll do is I'll just use the same password or whatever it may be. So really enforcing that down is one thing. Um, the other thing is, well, think about the product. So in this case, if it's software, what's the software development lifecycle like? Are you making sure you're going through the correct steps in terms of making sure that the code is reviewed? Are you making sure that you're actually the way you're developing it or you're actually making sure that security is embedded as part of the review or the QA as well, or even from the design element from it. Kind of like in manufacturing when you uh, actually you are um, processing or producing whatever is being manufactured, there are QA checks and reviews each stage of that production life cycle. Now, because we're not doing anything physical, we're doing a software, same kind of concept. Yeah, and I think that's more applicable to proprietary um, when they build in-house. But the same thing would also be applicable if you were buying something off the shelf. Um, The third one that comes to mind is probably the tech stack. So your technology stack and what you're actually using, it's, it's pretty much a leeway into architecture. If I told you that, okay, look, um, I guess I'm going to use your door and house analogy. If you've actually got something valuable um, and you know there's a door and a lock to the house, do you put that valuable outside in the front lawn or do you put it inside the house? You put it inside the house, right? You're ring fencing your valuable assets, which is your data in this instance. Same thing, like as in for the techies out there that are listening in, you might be thinking, well, firewall placements, you know, you're not going to put that behind, you're going to put that at the front or it's, you know, it's monitoring the um, entry point. So the way you actually ring fence things or the way you're setting up your databases, your um, uh, DNS servers or whatever it may be, and um, or the way you're actually employing a demilitarized zone, the way you're actually interacting with your tech stack and the way you're actually architecting a solution, that is also um, things to consider because when they're not done appropriately, again, you're vulnerable. Uh, you've got holes, you've got open windows, you could say, where people can climb through. So, Kind of like leaving the side fence unlocked, like that's yeah. another entry point. So yeah. you need to think about yeah. them all. So yeah, so think the way doors and windows are entry and exit points to a house, similarly ports are entry points to systems and networks. So what are you leaving open or what are you monitoring or not monitoring? And no software and tech conversation can go um, uh, ahead without actually covering misconfigurations. So think about it, the amount of times we like, oh, well, hang on, this went down or this server went down or our website is actually down. What has happened? 
a lot of the time it's a misconfiguration, which kind of links into that human element because the way you've configured the firewall, the way you've configured um, uh, an intrusion detection system, uh, if you're not actually configuring it, configuring it correctly or a web application firewall or whatever it may be, then again, you're opening yourself up to a lot of other attack vectors. So I'd say those probably round up the top three to four um, when it comes to lessons because when these are at fault or they're at uh, they're absent, that's when the data breaches happen. At least that's what we can see historically. Well, so if you've seen that historically, then really, I guess the question I want to then take us to, okay, what's the future data breaches going to be like? Are they similar or are you seeing a different kind of trend based on, again, the kind of digitization that's happening? Yeah. Uh, no, I think... You're right. I think it is going to be around the uh, active digitization because a lot of organizations and countries are still adopting that uh, digital journey or digital transformation. So things that come to mind is um, a lot of countries are now opting for their own e-currency e or um, you know digital form of the Chinese yuan or the Australian dollar or um, even I think just recently, a week or two ago, uh, the UK uh, released their, uh, I think they uh, opened up people to subscribe or take on um, government bonds, but on the e-pound. So there is that. There's obviously the whole concept of digital identity and the trust around that, and, you know, employing blockchain. There's still going to be a lot of distributed ledger technology that will be, there'll be an influx of that. Um, Oh, an example that comes to mind is Estonia, their e-residency e program, so that if you want to actually enter um, your business into the EU market, you could actually use Estonia as a gateway by being an e-resident, and you can actually have an e-business set up through that, so you can interact with the rest of the EU market. So think about all the trust and all the data collection that needs to be done, or at least how do you actually have immutable records to make sure that, well, the onboarding, knowing your customer, or any of those elements can actually be covered? Well, that was all because of the act of digitization. So, of That's course, the really... industry risk is going to be there when it comes to future data breaches because, A, there is an uptake of data collection. B, there is more and more records that are being digital that are easier to take than it would be if they were in a physical, physical location. And yeah, so that, and I think the other one is also the move in regulation. So if we're moving towards more open APIs, think about the way that data is actually shared in a controlled manner or not in a controlled manner, not in a shared appropriate manner. So even right now, we haven't really moved away from um, web scraping fully yet. So there are a lot of vulnerabilities and poor cyber practices, if you could say, that are still being used as and when we're still doing the transition. So I think that's probably where the future is headed. And so the security and the vulnerabilities around that software and tech is also following that pathway. That is really interesting. And I have to say, wow, I feel like we've gone to the future and they're really <laughs> good tips for anyone that uh, to really ask those questions for any of your software and technology providers, but also they're applicable to any organization. Yeah. So I've got to organization, finish. Organization, government, all of them. 
Exactly. And so I've got to ask, final question, favourite movie, Hollywood, Bollywood, even series, anything? Yeah. In relation to software and tech, I would highly recommend um, Sandra Bullock's The Net. Um, quite That's an, an old, oldie and Very, very old one, but um, uh, I think... Anyone that's familiar with that movie and when they see that little pie sign in the corner and when she clicks on that, I think definitely, definitely lots of lessons on software, tech and cyber, um, highly worth a watch. Oh, wow. I'm trying to go through. I think for me, really, technology and software, there's one that just stands out. I really like the music in it, so that's why I remember it. Um, but it's a Bollywood movie called Rocket Sing, Salesman of the Year. Now, it is about the computer industry and selling hard, hardware computers, but it again shows the human element, how people buy and sell, yeah. which again plays into the human mindset and the security elements in it. But a really good one for entrepreneurs in general as well. But just how do you run a business? I love it that way. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good one. Well, that's a wrap for today. Until we talk again, stay safe. And secure.